to another episode of Raw and Real Chat. Elizabeth Lim here, your podcast host. I am joined by Mario Pareka, who is has given up his evening to uh, have a chat with me about some raw and real topics. Thank you so much for joining me, Mario. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. You're one of my favorite people. I couldn't say no. <laughs> well, no, we definitely have very, very good conversations. They're always in depth. They're always uh, meaningful. Um, and I think that that most definitely falls in line with the mission that you have stated um, uh, on your on your LinkedIn profile, which is the place that we, we actually met. So for anybody who doesn't know Mario, um, Mario believes that everyone has a story to tell and the world needs to hear it. And so your mission is to help people tell that story in an impactful, meaningful and effective way um, because you you really do believe that, that there are people out there that need to hear that story and that message. So tell us a little bit more about, about that mission and, and, and whether it has anything to do with your geo method, which you can explain to the listeners who may not be familiar with it. Yeah, it kind of all ties together. I think that storytelling is so important, but let me context it a little bit by saying that, you know, when people think of storytelling, they think of like once upon a time in a faraway land and they think like it has to have this certain sequence of events because, I mean, if, if you've ever read the book Story Brand, he goes through what a what it, it kind of ruins movies because it goes through the arc and the characters and how it goes and how you can build a brand based on that. But to me, effective storytelling goes back to communication. It's effective communication. And it starts with the way we communicate with ourselves. That's why mindset is so important because that's what mindset is. It's the way we communicate, the way we sort our thoughts and the way we communicate with ourselves. And that's where it all started with my podcast, 10-Minute Mindset, is how do we communicate with ourselves and with other people more effectively in order to effectively communicate our story in a powerful way that helps other people. And if you can do that, that's the crux to sales, that's the crux to relationships, that's the beginning of everything. So it's not like telling a story like I'm gonna entertain you, which could is fine, it's very it's fun to do that and you'll hold someone's attention that way and that's all part of it. But it's really, can you have a conversation with someone and no matter what that conversation is about or wherever flow takes it, can you make it so that when you leave that conversation, the other person feels better than when the conversation started? That's really what it comes down to. That's um, it's a really nice way of kind of looking at conversations because um, one thing that um, I recently saw about um, uh, and I believe it was probably Seth Godin who, who talked about uh you know, people struggle with writer's block, but does anybody ever struggle with talking block? Um, because I don't think that we put as much thought into what we say as as when we when we go to write something down because we want it to sound perfect when we're writing it. But when we're speaking, I think we take it for granted that that communication is very impactful and the words you use can actually um, affect another person. So what you're saying is um, being able to fine tune that um, to a to a point where you have uh, that intention that that is part of your geo method, um, because um, you know I, I think that it's it's perfectly put where where you have your gratitude, your intentions, and your outcome 
because um, it allows us to have that focus. And I think that um, we probably uh, travel through our lives uh, with not enough intention. Uh, and and, and we've, we, then when we come, we come to a point where we find ourselves a little bit lost. But you, you seem to have always had a lot of focus in your entire career, Maria. Like, so can you, you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your you know, your longevity in, in, in your, in the communication space and in, in everything you've done, because you've, you started your podcast and, uh, and your career quite, quite a long time ago. Um, you know, where did it all start for you? Yeah. And let me preface this by saying, I do have a little puppy in the room. So if anyone hears a little <laughs> bark, I see him moving around. He should be good, but this time of night he gets a little antsy, but, um, yeah. Yeah, let me, to get to your question, I just wanted to say that just because this is real and raw. Yes. But, um, <laughs> to get back to your question, focus is so important to me, but it's a balance. And so I talk about this a lot, especially on 10-Minute Mindset, where I really believe that a lot of my success, the majority of my success, has come from my ability to be two things simultaneously. And they sound counterintuitive, but they're really not. I'm able to be completely focused on what it is I want to achieve or the outcome that I desire and put a, a, a lot of focus and effort into that. But at the same time, I'm open to all the possibilities around me. And so by being completely focused but at the same time completely open, it's like pulling on opposite ends and it allows me to be operate from a centered position. And so to me, that's super important. And what I mean by that is you have to be focused on what you want. You have to act. That's the biggest thing. You have to take action. Most people, they, they, they spend a lot of time getting ready to get ready. And so, you know, there's a lot of things over the last 10 years of being an entrepreneur that I've done that have not worked. I mean, they seem like good ideas at the time, but they just don't work out. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I am very, um, I'm very good at looking at something and the minute, like the minute I feel like it's not going to work or I have an intuitive feeling that it's not going to go where I thought it was or it turns into something different, I can let it go and move on. Mm. And I see so many people that continue to go down the same path day after day doing the same thing. And I don't think people should be quitters. Don't get me wrong. I've, I'm not a quitter by any stretch. I will stick it out till the end for a lot of things. But it's not quitting if you've learned something from it. Mm. It's you've gotten what you were supposed to get from it. You can celebrate that and you can take what you've learned and apply it to something else that's going to be more impactful. And so that's really what's guided me. You know, I started out as a chef. That's what I thought I wanted to do. So, you know, I went straight from high school to an apprenticeship program. I was the number one city club in America. My career trajectory was off the charts. I was competing internationally. I won gold medals. Um, I was, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I was super successful and I was on a great path. But I wasn't happy and I, you know, gained a lot of weight while I was cooking. And that took a toll on everything. It took a toll on my mood. It took a toll on my attitude. And, you know, I just wasn't myself. I mean, I, I would say we'll tell ourselves anything to justify. So I was telling myself, you know, I knew I felt like really, really bad. And I would say, oh, I'm just getting older. I was like 23 years old at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I mean, you'll justify anything, right? And that's when yeah. I said, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't feel like this. Maybe I shouldn't be like this. So I knew that my physical self was probably the fastest thing I could take control of and I could do pretty quickly. So my father's a chiropractor. I grew up around natural health, knowing how important it was. So I called him and I said, hey, I need help. I need to you know, get back to the gym. I need to lose weight. I was an athlete all the way up to that point. But the last like four or five years in the kitchen, it was the perfect storm. It was stressful. I had 
great food around me all the time that I could eat as much as I wanted of. Um, it was long hours, on your feet all day. It was just it, the perfect storm of stress, not sleeping, and eating the wrong foods to really throw everything out of whack. And so he said, yeah, I'll help you, but you have to commit to it. I'm not going to help you if you're not going to be committed. Mm-hmm. So I said, fine. So I committed to it, and over that process, I lost 70 pounds in six months. I felt better than I ever felt. My energy went up. I was back at the gym, a much happier person. And people started asking me what I was doing because it was a very visual transformation. And so I just started coaching them the way that I was coached. And I was, you know, they would ask me and then they would refer people. And I never went out and looked for anyone. I never tried to sell. I was still cooking. That was my career. I was just doing this on the side to be nice. But I wanted to turn, you know, I'm a capitalist at heart. So if I can monetize, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And it was a service. And so that's the way it worked out. But then I was doing my ta- doing my taxes at the end of that year. And I realized I made more money coaching than I did cooking. And that's what made me think, huh, I wonder what would happen if I was intentional about this, if I turned it into a real business and actually tried to build it as opposed to just letting people come to me. Mm-hmm. So I quit my job. And that's what I mean. Like I still, I want people to understand, I still cook today. I still like to do that. I still do it. Thanks. I love Thanksgiving here in the States. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, in Australia. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I, I love Thanksgiving and I 20 people come over. I cook for everyone. This big spread. And it's fun for me, but it's more fulfilling to do it that way than it was in the kitchen. And so mm-hmm. and the other thing is I felt a bigger calling to do this. So I always tell people I never chose coaching. Coaching chose me. I never mm-hmm. one day in my life said I want to be a coach or I want to do that or a consultant. But that's where that's where it led because I was open to it. And mm-hmm. so I started building building that and as a, as a weight loss coach. And the number one thing people would ask me is, what can I eat? Because people think for whatever reason that when they make a lifestyle shift, all they can eat for the rest of their life is grilled chicken and broccoli. And nothing can be further from the truth. So I, I was getting this question many, many times a day. And so I thought, what can I do to not have to answer this a million times. And so I thought, you know what, I'll write a cookbook. And if I write a book, it'll be another stream of revenue. But at mm. the same time, it'll answer that question so I don't have to deal with it. Well, a lot of money and lessons later, I ended up with this book. And I realized that the real work of writing a book starts after it's published because mm. you have to market it. Yeah. And so I was, <laughs> I was still at this time in my early 20s. And I had spent a lot of money to get because this was before Amazon was like print on demand and all of that stuff. So this was a, a like a college tuition style investment that I made in doing this book. And so, yeah. And so I, I had to figure out how I was going to make my money back. And so I started um, doing live events. I started booking hotel rooms and selling tickets and doing cooking demonstrations in banquet rooms to sell cookbooks. And I, the first one I did, I had like 15 people there and I bought a bunch of equipment and did the whole thing and sold some books and that was cool. So then I did the second one and now a couple of things had to happen for me to do these. When I went in, we had to number one, map out the electrical plant because all my equipment had to be electric because you can't have an open flame in a banquet room. Mm. So we had to map out the electrical plant, which we failed to do the second time. The other thing we had to do was notify the local fire department just in case so that the hotel didn't get evacuated. Well, they were supposed to, management was supposed to take care of that. So anyway, I come in to do the second one. I have about 20 people there. Everything's going okay for the first like three minutes. Then all of a sudden the breakers go. So I have no electricity. So if you've ever tried to cook without heat, especially for people who paid and are watching to be there, it's, it's, 
not fun. So, but my training kicked in from being in the kitchen and I was like, you just keep going. You don't stop. You figure it out and you just keep your head down and keep moving. And so I just went on and on and on about a half hour later, electricity came back. They fixed it. They figured it out. I started cooking and now I'm trying to cook faster because I'm trying to get everything done for people so they can try it before they leave. They paid to be here. I'm trying to get it done. Well, that made some smoke, and they didn't notify the fire department like oh. they were supposed to. So now the fire alarm goes off. The whole, the whole hotel gets evacuated, and I'm like, this couldn't have gone anywhere. So I'm giving away everything I can. I'm trying to keep people happy. At the end of it, I'm cleaning up while everyone's leaving, feeling like I totally ruined everything. And some lady comes up to me that I've never met before out of nowhere and goes, you had a pretty rough day today. And I said, yeah, I think so, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I apologize. I tried. And she goes, well, you know, I work for um, KDK, which is our local CBS cable TV affiliate. It's a cable TV station here um, in Pittsburgh where I live. And she said, you know, if you could do this well without electricity and without working equipment, I'd like to see what you could do with it. And so that's when I got landed my first TV gig. So she gave me her card. So the point of that story is, when you think things are really bad, just yeah. push through because it may be a test for something really good. Absolutely. So the worst thing, <laughs> the worst public engagement I ever did led to my first TV opportunity. So then I took advantage of that, followed up with her, got the TV gig, went in, did the show, um, and realized how much I liked TV. And so from that point, after I did that one, I realized – I need if I'm going to sell books, I need to get as many in front of as many people as possible, and I can get in front of millions at a time by doing this TV thing, and it's fun. <laughs> so I started reaching out to every TV station I could find, and I ended up doing about 60 different TV shows up and down the East Coast of the U.S. And that let so the other thing I would do is when I did these TV shows, most people they they go into the green room and they you know have drinks and eat whatever they have in there and relax and hang out and shake hands till they go on TV. Then they do their thing and they leave. Well, I was like, what am I going to do in the green room? So what I would do is, like, that's I don't want to go, like, hang out. So I'm there to work, right? I'm there to do a job. I'm focused. So I would go in and I would go into the production room. And the production room is where all those screens are and all the producers sit and they're doing, like, go, there's a lot that happens in those rooms. Um, deciding which angle to put on, which shot to go to, what to, you know, putting up the graphics, all of those things. And so I would go in and watch and like try to learn how the operation worked so that when I was out there, I had a better idea in my mind of what I could do to make it a better product. And I also like to know what was happening behind the scenes so I wasn't like out of the loop. Mm. So I would do that on every show I went to. While everyone else played in the green room, I would go watch the producers and learn how they were actually creating the show. And so on one of these shows, it was actually a very small one. It was one that I got invited to and because when you go on these TV shows, these lifestyle-type shows that they air um, throughout the day, the main reason people tune into those are for two segments, the food segments and the music segments. So if you're yes. a musician yes. or you're, you can cook, you can get onto those shows pretty easily. And yeah. so I've ha I had someone call me who was launching a very small one of these shows and said, hey, look – we need a draw. We don't have anyone. Can you come and help us? And by this time, I was already doing a lot of different shows. Um, but I, I said yes because I always say yes. That's another thing that if it seems like a good opportunity, say yes and you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I said yes, and it happened to be on the same day that I was all the way on the other side of the state. So I went there in the morning from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. I was on the news cooking there. Then I packed everything up, drove all the way across about six hours 
back to this place and in the evening had to do a segment on there. So I was not in a very good mood to say the least, <laughs> but I went in there tired, just a little bit frustrated because like this is the smallest gig, gig I've ever done to this point. And uh, I go back in the production room, and this is the other thing too. You don't know where the opportunities are going to come from. So mm -hmm. I'm back in the production room, and this was such a small setup that they only had one person in the production room operating the whole thing from one computer. Oh. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> there must be like eight people watching, and they're probably all the parents of everyone that's here. So, But I didn't, I didn't say that. So I was in there, and I was just kind of watching and had a conversation with them. Come to find out that this person started their career in radio. And I was always intrigued by radio, but never knew how to get into it. So I said, do you know anyone still in radio that I can maybe reach out to, or this could be interesting? And he said, actually, I do. Here's a couple names and a couple numbers. Tell them that you met so-and-so and see what happens. So that led, I followed up on that. And that's the other thing I wanted to say, always follow up. Yeah. <laughs> so I followed up on that. That landed up, I, because of that, I landed my own radio show. So, and that's where I found podcasting was wow. doing that radio show. So that was kind of the road to podcasting. So I had this radio show that I would do every Saturday morning on a real small station that grew to about five different stations before I dropped that. But, um, so I did everything I produced, I sold the show to sponsors, I hosted it. Um, I, you know, social media, all of that stuff tied in. But what we ended up doing was it started out as just a food talk show. So we would just talk about food. Well, we would take live call-ins because it was a live morning show. So someone would called in and said, hey, have you ever tried this specific food? And this was something – and now my co-host at the time was an older gentleman. And – no, he was an older. He was older than me. But um, <laughs> she said, have you ever tried this? And I said, no, I've never even heard of that, and I've tried so many different things. And so if you're not familiar, um, are you familiar with Kraft Macaroni and Cheese? Yep. In Australia? Okay. Yep. So Kraft Mac and Cheese, right? So I've eaten that my whole life growing up. But this was similar to it, made by Kraft, but it was spaghetti. So it was Kraft spaghetti, and it came with a little seasoning packet, and you mix it with tomato paste, and you'd make spaghetti instead of mac and oh, cheese. Okay. So I was like, I've never heard of it. Um, and my co-host goes, I used to eat that as a kid. I remember that, but I haven't seen it in like 20 years. So I told the listener, I said, if you find it, send me send one in and if there's one here when i come in next week we'll cook it live on the air and i'll try it and tell you what i think <laughs> didn't packed up left didn't think anything of it i come back to do the show the following saturday there's like 15 boxes of this stuff so apparently <laughs> some people found it so i said i guess we have to make it now right so we cook it we try it we're you know and this is cooking on the radio so imagine a cooking show that you can't see yeah, hear it. So yeah. we d we did that, and it was fun. But people loved it. It like just it was like this weird cult following, <laughs> cooking on the radio. So from that point on, we started cooking on the radio every week, wow. and then local cable TV found out about it. So they started bringing cameras into the studio and doing a TV show from it. So it would air on the radio on Saturday then on local cable TV on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then we would take the footage and put it on YouTube for people that lived outside of the area and then take the audio and put it as a podcast so that people had access to it wherever they were. And then the local newspaper found out, so they sponsored the show, and then I was writing four weekly columns for them at the same time. So we had radio, TV, and newspaper all tied into one type of thing. So it was, it was fun, but there's a – Radio is very different than podcasting, and that's where mm. I saw the differences. There, people think that broadcasting and podcasting are the same. 
they're not they're not like brothers they're more like estranged third cousins <laughs> so it's like you know broadcasting is all based around driving revenue because it's a business and i podcasting too if you're doing it for business purposes which yes. is what we teach yeah but broadcasting is about that when you have when you're in a radio station wherever your tower is set up you have this certain circle where that'll broadcast to. So, you know, if you've ever gone on a road trip and you're listening to your favorite radio station, you get to a certain point and it gets all it's like scratchy and then cuts out and then disappears. That's kind of, that's where that border is. So the idea for radio and broadcasting is to get as many people within that circle where the, the signal goes to listen as possible. And that's where ratings come from. And then they use the ratings to get advertising. And that's where their bulk of their revenue it, it comes from. So that's the idea of broadcasting. Podcasting doesn't have that problem because podcasting, anyone with a computer or a smartphone can listen to your podcast. Mm. So it's not predicated on area whatsoever. It's all about the topic because you can reach anyone surrounded by a central topic, which for marketing purposes makes it incredibly powerful because you can, can, you can um, curate an audience of raving fans tied around one central theme and market to them based on what they're already showing up to be interested in. Mm. Whereas in podcast or in broadcasting, it's much harder to do that because mm. you have to talk about local things. You have to get people who all like different things to listen at the same time. <laughs> so, and you have your kind of your hands are kind of tied because as a broadcaster, not only are you going for ratings first and foremost, but you can only do that in the manner in which the FCC management the sponsors the board tell you you can mm. whereas podcasting is largely unregulated mm. so you can do whatever you want however you want for the most mm. part mm. and make it about whatever you want and curate that audience and then mm. once you have that audience not only are you curating an audience which is very powerful that's a long-term play by the way mm. the shorter term play is the conversations you get to have with other people which lead to opportunities and if you do that correctly and you do that in an intentional way, mm -hmm. things will start to materialize. You'll start to learn things. You'll start to notice things. But what a lot of people do is they only focus on the audience. So they show up and they have the guest on and they look at it like the guest is bringing the content. So they're going to make me look really good and it's all about me. And then the guest is gone. Good. It's over. It's done. Now what can I do to get, to get more downloads? And at the end of the day, the download is just a number. If you can't put a face to the download, what's the point? Yes. It's that vanity metrics thing. And I, you know, yeah. I talk about it on social media all the time. I personally know some people on social media who have 50,000 plus followers on different platforms and zero clients. Mm. And yes. it's like, so that's why when, you know, someone asked me a while ago, especially LinkedIn is the best for this, by the way, I love LinkedIn. Don't get me wrong, but they are, everyone's always seemingly talking about the algorithm. Right. Yes, it's this yes. mysterious thing that everyone wants to crack. Yeah. And it's like someone messaged me and goes, they were excited and we're right. That's fine. That's their thing. And they were like, Hey, do you want to know what I just learned about the algorithm? And I go, honestly, no. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't want the less I know about the algorithm, the better. Cause I'm not there to game the system. Mm. I'm there to have conversations with people. And so I don't care if I have 8 billion followers or two followers. Mm. If I'm having good conversations, that's all I care about. And so the algorithm thing, it, it's just one of those things that kind of, it, 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 I think it gets in the way because people, there's vanity metrics. They want to drive them up. And 
they think that if I have this huge audience or this all these followers, then I'll never run out of clients. But that's really not the truth because just because someone <laughs> follows you doesn't mean they want to pay you to help them. It doesn't that's even mean they have the problem that you solve. That's right. So it's not about accruing followers. You accrue an audience or followers based on doing cool things. So if you're out there solving people's problems, helping people, providing value to real value, not what you think is valuable, but value that other people really want, you'll gain a following. You know, creating an audience on any platform, whether it's LinkedIn, YouTube, podcasting, Facebook, whatever, it's the same three ingredients. It's time, effort, and consistency. Mm -hmm. If you take the time to create really good content and you put in the effort to do that and you put it out consistently over the period of time, you'll find an audience. They'll find you and you'll find them. The question is what keeps you going long enough to create that content and to do it in a valuable way. Mm. People think they gonna, they sit down and they're like, I need to post eight times today. What can I post? But that's not really the right way to do it. The right no. way to do it is to say, this is really interesting. This is cool. I wonder if anyone else is interested in this. That's right. And post that. That's right. It's um, uh, it's interesting that you say that because uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, TikTok, and one of the things about TikTok is uh, it's not it's not follower based. It's actually engagement based. So it, it goes based on those exact principles that you're talking about. Um, so uh, they actually say that you can have zero followers um, and have uh, you know you know thousands and millions of views. Um, because it's just about the content um, and the way that they've set it up isn't based on the engagement from your followers. It's based on engagement from um, sample sizes that they, they, they distribute um, a little bit more like YouTube as opposed to um, your Instagram and your, your, your Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff like that. So um, these, these digital platforms are getting smarter. Um, which is which is good, and that's that's kind of what what we're all talking about here is the marketing side of things. But but listening to your entire story, Mario, the the one the one thing that stands out to me is, you know, um, offline you mentioned that you're um, you're evolving your uh, podcast offering to uh, you'll probably be able to say it better than I can, but but to be able to increase your clients um, to a six figure income through podcasting. Um, and what, what part, the part that, that, that makes sense from your, your story and from your experience is just that your experience shows you and gives you that credibility to know that you've been through the, um, you know, the public failures that have led to amazing things. And you, you have that strategy that can just take you and drive you forward, uh, which is, which is what's obviously lacking um, in businesses and, and with your clients is, is that focus, is that, is that creativity? Because in every pivot that you've taken, you know, you've, you've done something purposeful, intentfully, you know, going into the, the, uh, into the production area of, of the TV studios. Um, I've been on, on, on set myself, um, must be just, you, you just must have better access because we were never allowed to get into those kinds of places on, on, yeah, very hard sometimes, to access. Sometimes you just have to stand in the doorway and act <laughs> like you're not there and they like, well, and then if they say something, you're just like, well, I'm on a segment. I just want to see what's happening. And then, they're so busy. You just have to give them a reason to not kick you out. Yeah. Well, that's because when you said that, I was like, 
yeah, I've been on set before and you, 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 you're pretty much limited to the green room. Uh, you know, you can have your phones there, but no phones on set, all sorts of, all sorts of rules, but you, you definitely have a, a better, a better tactic and a, you know, intentional loitering, so to speak. So, um, you know, good on you because it, it, it has given you, it is really, um, springboarded your uh your experience into into places that other people you know couldn't couldn't have created and so you're now obviously taking that experience and helping your clients uh with podcasting as as the as the tool um but but implementing all those other things that 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 you you can do pretty much second nature would you say that's right yeah i mean it, it's it's always a learning curve, right? When you start yeah. anything new, but yeah. you have to, you, you really have to know it to be able to teach it. That's and right. I think that that's something that's super important that I see a lot of people in the space, um, not doubling down on, they see something that works for someone else and then they try to do that. And it's like, you know, what you, you have to start. I always tell even my clients, I really, my clients the most, you have to start with the end in mind. You have to really get crystal clear on what is that end and that's you know if you want to talk geo that's why outcome is so important you have to know what it is you want and everyone always talks about the why and the why is important but the why is really useless without the what mm. you have to know what you want you have to be crystal clear on that and then you can say why do I want that mm. and that's where the why becomes powerful because you can why all day long but if you don't know what it is you're whying for then you know it's useless so what is it that you want? And if you start with that, then you can reverse engineer the process to figure out how to get there. Mm. And so that's how, we, that's how we do everything because everyone wants to start their podcast with, okay, here's what I want to talk about. Well, that's really irrelevant at this point. What is it we're trying to do with this podcast? What do you want your podcast to do for you? What's the return you want to get from that? And then based on that return, that'll tell us what we should be talking about and how we should be talking about it and who we should be talking to about it. So that's kind of this, and you talk about strategy and I think strategy is super important. I, I really, really believe in strategy, but more so it's action because you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't act on it, then it, you might as well not have it, right? Mm. So it's like, you need to have that strategy, but then it needs to be powerful enough that you act on it. And that mm. again, goes back to the outcome. Mm. And so it, it to your point, exactly what you said, you know, we, we focus on podcasting and I love podcasting, but the plat, the, all the stuff that most people think about when it comes to podcasting is stuff or things that we largely don't deal with. Mm. Like what's the best microphone? Well, it doesn't, that's not really that important. What's important is we give you a microphone that is very sufficient, plug mm. it in. It'll work really well. It'll, you know, there's, being a 6 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, as far as sound quality goes, are really negligible, mm. as long as you're at a consumable place. Mm. And that's the other reason why we do editing. You know, We do all the editing for our clients. It's not because we don't want their content to be real and raw, like, mm. like you present yours, mm. but it's because we want it to be as consumable as possible to the end user. Mm. Because content is great. You get the best content in the world. It's so life-changing. If you just, if it just touches your ears, it'll turn to everything to gold and everything to But if nobody listens, what really does it really matter? Yes. If nobody consumes it, does it really matter? Mm -hmm. So, it's all about when you have a piece of content, how can I make this content as consumable as possible? So, it's as little effort as possible for that person who's consuming it to listen, not only listen, but to keep listening and to get it and to understand mm. it. And you know, 
80% of podcasts are listened to all the way through, mm. which is super interesting. When 30 minutes or less, if they're 30 minutes or less, they're listened to all the way through. Mm. And that's super interesting because, you know, when you look at videos for the average Facebook live, for instance, if you pull out your phone right now and go live on Facebook, the average watch time on that video is 12 seconds. Whoa, It doesn't really? matter if it's a one-minute video or a 30-minute video. The average watch time is 12 seconds. Wow. Unless something incredible is going on that is going to cause people to stop and actually watch it, they're going to watch it. They're going to go, oh, someone else is talking, and they're going to go to the next thing because that's what people do. And I think that that, uh, that goes to why things like short-form content are so is working. You know, when you are producing uh, videos on you know, whether it be LinkedIn, you know, a couple of minutes is, is, is all you can really ask of your audience. You know, if you go beyond a few minutes, you're asking a lot, you know, but you're, you're right though. If, if the content is good enough that people will stick around for it, but well, it's, it's hard. It's hard to keep would, that, that attention. I beg to differ with you on that one. Yeah. I don't think short form content is working. I think it's working to get followers and get views, mm. but I don't think it's working to get conversions and lead to sales. You'll, you'll, you will have to look into TikTok a little bit more. I've been doing my research and trust me when well, I say. TikTok is very new. Yes. TikTok is a lot of Gen Z are playing on yes, TikTok. So it depends right. on what your, it depends on what your product is and how it's positioned in the marketplace. Mm. But here's my point about short form. When you're doing something that's, you know, if you want to really ha create a substantial revenue, mm. you have to do something that's transformative or you have yeah. to have something that makes an impact. It can't be like, it can be, but it's very difficult to have a $2 ebook make you six to seven figures. Yes. And there has to be a service behind it that's a little yeah. higher price than that. That's right. So for me, in order to drive those higher ticket sales or the ones that really create transformation, mm. it, it, there needs to be a relationship established. Know, like, and trust, yes. right? Yes. That has to happen. Now, can you know, like, and trust someone from short form? Yes, if you see and you consume on a, a long-term basis. But to me, it's way more effective and way faster if you can use that short form to lead to long yes, form and have them consume long form. That's, that's right. Build a relationship. So that's, that's the part that I didn't continue because <laughs> TikTok isn't sustainable on its own. It's just not. Right. Um, and what I find is that platforms like TikTok, like Instagram, they're not sustainable on their own. There, there has to be something else to it. LinkedIn. Yes. You can have success on LinkedIn, exclusively LinkedIn. But if you're on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, if there's nothing behind that, then it goes nowhere. It's just a blip in, it's a drop in the ocean. It's like a, a you know, a, a million dollar ad that's being played during the Super Bowl or whatever. You know, you get that bang, bang effect and then you, you move on. So, but all those ads for those big brands, there's something behind that brand. There's always something behind that brand. There's a person usually, and that's, well, that's, that's one of the most powerful things is that personal branding, but no. So TikTok has, like you said, it's got the numbers and that's, that's its purpose is it's just numbers and it's just exposure. There is no, no real genuine value. Um, not the kind of value that you get here in this conversation in a podcast or in, in your videos on YouTube um, and your books and your really extensive books. And that knowledge base is so important. Yeah. And books are important too, but it comes back to, 
um, exactly what you what we were talking about is strategy, right? Mm -hmm. You have this short piece of content, but it's got to lead to something else yeah. to keep that conversation going and keep that relationship going. Yeah. And then there comes a time where you can build like that, but you have to you build and then you have to scale. And scaling is going to need, you're going to have to incorporate automation yes. that qualifies. Yes. It has to qualify people if you're building something substantial so that you're not spending lots of time with people who are so far out of the realm that there's no chance of anything happening. Yeah. And so that, that's the other piece to it. But um, yeah, I, I think there's all these other, there's all these platforms out there and all these ways you can go about it. But to me, it goes, it, the way my mind works is, what how can i get people to consume long form so that they mm. get to know me we create a relationship and how can i create that content purposefully so they know what i'm about you before we got on the air you said that you're known as the podcast guy and that's true because i've set it up that way and when i did it you know my podcast isn't about podcasting yet mm. right now it's about mindset but i set it up to where i did more faster than anyone else i knew Yes. And that like immersed me in the space. Yes. Not only did it make me better because I did more like better at interviewing, better at conversations. It opened more opportunities because I was having more conversations, but it really, people were like, wow, you do a seven day a week podcast every single day for almost two years. That's, you know, to be getting close to 700 episodes and you know, that type of thing. It's it's a lot because if you go to my feed today as we're recording this, I have about 563, I think, episodes released, but I also have over 100 in the bank that need to be released. Mm. So, so it's it's a but it's that long form content. And when I say long form, it doesn't have to be two hours. Like my podcast is 10 minutes. It's a 10 mm. minute conversation. Mm. And so that is long form. People come mm. back day after day and listen to a 10 minute conversation and they get to know, like and trust you. And then you can have meaningful conversations that lead somewhere. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, I think that it all ties together. Um, and if you have your, um, you know, you're in, if you know where you're going, if you have that destination, that outcome that you talk about, the what, um, how you get there, how it's kind of packaged for yourself, uh, it really depends on um, your own skill set, your strengths, um, and those you, you align with and collaborate with, because uh, that's really where a lot of um, uh, only through those relationships and and kind of sharing a part of those those conversations do people get to know you. Um, and almost feel like they know you very, very well when they've never met you in real life. Um, and I'm sure that you get that um, often as well, because as soon as you start putting content out there, um, you get people approaching you saying that they have been following your um, following your content for a while and um, they feel like they, they, you know, that they can trust you and that they know what you're about. And that's, that's really um, crucial um, when, when building a community because um, as human beings, if, if we can't relate with one another, um, then, then, then there's, there's something amiss there. So and that's, that's really, I think that, that where it all ties, ties in together. But Mario, I mean, if, if you have one, you know, golden, golden rule to, to share with, with the listeners out there, what, what would that golden rule be? One of my favorite sayings is something that one of my mentors told me a long time ago when I was just like trying to figure things out. And I'm like, well, what, 
what do I do? How does this work? What do I do? What am I, you know, where am I supposed to go? And that's the other thing too. You don't want to wake up in the morning as an entrepreneur and go, well, what do I do? It's, it shouldn't be a guessing game like that. So if you are that person who doesn't know where your next lead is going to come from, your next client, and, it, and when I say lead and client, don't make it a numbers game, make it a relationship game. Uh, but if you don't know where to go, then that's a strategy problem. And that's something that, you know, you can research and look into for how to figure that out and look at what other successful people are doing. But what he told me when I was in that place was the work will teach you how to do it. And basically he was saying, just go do something, try, you know, come up with that outcome, go try to figure it out. And as you do it, you'll figure it out. And the other one that he told me was at the same time was the work will teach you how to do it. And then I was still given flack because as such, such is who I was at that time. <laughs> And he said, you know, you just have to go lead and see who follows. Mm. So, you know, you, you don't you don't go and try to accrue followers and likes and all that stuff. You just go be a leader. Go do what you do. Pinpoint what you do really well that really fills you up, that makes you unique, that is your unique thing that you bring to the world. Double down on that. Use that and just go serve and lead, and then people will follow. And that's where a valuable audience comes from. No, Not that's, from an algorithm. Yeah, no, that, that's that's true. I mean, I think that that is a it is definitely a golden rule um, uh, in everything we do, uh, whether we're running a business or you know running a, a local community. Because as you say, um, the leaders aren't the ones with the titles; they are the ones that that take action um, that can show others, um, you know, through. through like you said the work it's the hard work it's it's the grit and determination um and and you know your words can only go take you so far uh and then and then what happens is you know you you have people watching you know whether it be on in the digital space in social media or in real life um your you know your actions and 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 how you 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 conduct yourself will, will speak for itself I think the thing that really changed my business the most, and this just came from, because there's really no magic pill. It's just about doing the work and doing it and really assessing. I call it the AMA, action, measure, adjust. You take action, you measure your results, and then based on that, you adjust your approach to get the results you want. And so I just started having, I realized that conversations drove everything. The more conversations I had in a given week, the faster my business grew, regardless of anything. It was just all about effective conversation. So I started having as many conversations as I possibly can, and the podcast facilitated that. And what I learned was when I went into the conversation with the intent to understand someone and see what I could do to be of value to them, rather than try to sell to them, I sold more. Mm. So it, it, don't get me wrong. I am all about, I, I think sales done right is one of the best processes in the world. If you sell to someone right or you buy something you're sold to right, you feel really good about that. Now, that doesn't mean you don't still have a little bit of butterflies if you buy something that's really expensive because that happens <laughs> to all of us. Like I, I've spent well over six figures on myself the past 10 years, well over six figures on personal development, on marketing plans, on tactics, on strategies, on different pro different, all kinds of things. And every time I spent money on those things, it was hard. It wasn't an easy decision, but there are a few. And one of, one of them I can think of off the top of my head, very, very clearly, that was the most expensive one 
program that I bought, and it was well over five figures. And I went on to this sales call. I, I made my mind up before I went on the call that I was not going on to buy anything. And in fact, I had someone there with me. I put the phone on speaker and I said, get a notebook and sit with me. We're just going to write down everything just in case I miss something because this company is selling a lot of stuff and I want to know how they're doing it and what their conversations are like and what their sales process is. So I went on the call just to rip off their sales process. I, <laughs> I was not going to buy. I said, I'm not buying anything. By the end of that call, I bought a five-figure product, and I felt really, really good about it. And to this day, that person who I never talked to in my life up to that point and sold to me, two years later, we still talk almost every day. And that, that's when sales is done right. That's what happens. And so it's not about getting on the phone and being nervous because, oh, I want to sell or this person might not accept or whatever. It's listening to understand that person, to know what their needs are, and to identify does the solution that I provide solve their problem? If the answer is no, then don't sell them anything. <laughs> don't yeah. try to because it's just going to be a lose-lose for everyone. But if it does, then when you bring it up and you talk about it, you can do it with integrity. Mm -hmm. And they don't feel like they're being sold to. They feel like they're being helped. And then they have the power to make the decision of whether they want to buy or not. And if they do buy, everyone's happy. It feels really good. If they don't buy, they're going to walk away doing one of two things. It's either not the right time, so they're going to set their own follow-up, which happens quite often when I have conversations, or they're going to refer people to you. And the great thing is if they're an ideal client or close to your ideal client avatar, who do people typically hang out with? People that are very similar to themselves. So if they're going to refer people to you, they're probably going to refer people that are very similar to them who you obviously identified as a client or a potential good client because you – offered to help them in the first place that's right it's so. it, yeah it's uh it's it's uh it's that that law of attraction really so um you know you've 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 pinpointed it and you have um so many um so many gems of wisdom to share which which you do share with with so many people but um in saying that, Mario, where, tell everybody, where's the best place that they can get in contact with you? The best place you can find me is launchingapodcast.com. You can go there. Um, that's where we do what we do. And as you so brilliantly put it, uh, Elizabeth, we help, we help businesses add six figures to their revenue by using a podcast. So, I mean, there's a lot, of, there's more to it than that. We cover the whole gamut and we do a lot of, it's a combination of done for you, done with you. So all of the things that are going to take a lot of time and are all tech related and back ends we do for you so that, so we essentially become your team so that you can double down on the things that are going to generate your revenue. And we give you a specific plan for how you're going to do that and how your podcast is going to lead to that. So if you go there, you can learn more about that. And, uh, we have, you know, this is, it's, it's exciting because we have this big, um, you know, we just kind of retooled everything and made a huge add to our services for scaling and automation purposes. Mm. And so you'll be able to check that out as well. So it makes it very sustainable, very scalable, and uh, it has the potential to really impact your whole business in a profound way. Yes. Well, that you, you, the, the word that jumped out for me is sustainable uh, and scalable because, uh, you know, in any, in any smart business, you need to be able to have long-term goals and that means sustainability. So um, anybody who's in the kind of quick, quick fix kind of market. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't think yeah, that they're yeah. part of this conversation. 
No, not at all. This is for if you want to build something for the long term and you want to add to what you're already doing and make yes. it even more powerful. This mm-hmm. is a definite way to do that. And, you know, the great thing about it is I was talking to someone today that became a client and her question to me was, well, where are your like, can you give me some examples of people you work with? And I said, the best example I can give you is me because I practice this stuff every single day. And here's here's what happened to me. You know, I built a six figure business in six months and, you know, I continue to grow it. And there's a difference between building, you know, this building and scaling. So after six months and I built it, I went, oh, that's a lot of volume that happened pretty quickly. How are we going to scale this? <laughs> and so I had to learn how to scale it because, you know, there's you can double down and you can do the things that make you successful but there comes and you can most people don't do those things enough to get to max out their success potential but there does come a point where now if you just want to make six figures and you're comfortable there that's fine there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and you can do that just building but if you want to get and play in like the seven figure range Mm. there comes a point where you have to shift the way you think and work more towards efficiency and automation but still instilling a culture that'll allow you to go from six to seven figures. Cause that's a big jump. Mm. Oh, massive. Absolutely massive. Yeah, but absolutely. I think, I think that you, uh, you, sh- you know, as, as you do perfectly, you'll be having a lot more conversations from this episode. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mario. I really do appreciate it. Always enjoy having a chat with you, but today we get to um, share that with uh, a broader audience and it not just be the two of us having a good laugh and a chuckle between ourselves. <laughs> this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And we always do laugh a lot. This was so much fun. I, I love what you're doing. I love your energy. I love your intention in your heart. It's always great to have a conversation with you. And I can honestly say, as we talked early in this conversation, that every time I leave our conversations, it leaves me better than when we started. And I always smile a little more. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mari. That's such an awesome co- compliment. And thank you. I really do appreciate um, all the time that we've had uh, together chatting. Um, but as, as, as mentioned, please, um, you know, follow Mario on LinkedIn and and check out his website that he's going through. Um, we'll be we'll be launching some some new features very soon. So um, check that out because Mario is the man to talk to when it comes to um, not just podcasting but all that that strategy, intention, and really building your business um, into a place that that everyone listening really does deserve. So thank you again, Mario. Thanks, Elizabeth. Take Appreciate care. It.